Amazing. You be seated, church. Thank you. Incredible. Amazing. And can we, can we actually welcome our City Point North location pastors, Pastor Graham Mel, they're with us today. And the fam, so good. We love these guys. Amazing location pastors, a part of our church. And um, be praying for them as well as they journey through the flood crisis and the effects that's happened on their building as well. So, um, but I'm excited to preach today. Um, we're going to be jumping in on really something that probably, uh, for me personally, uh, at a theologically profound way has changed my life. Um, it's totally renewed my mind. It's, it's set me on a path of, of living for Him that's, that's changed a lot of the way I live for God. Because I've found that a lot of our, um, our frameworks or models or, or ideas of doctrine and how we can grow up with mindsets of God can shape the world that we live in. It can set a precedence for the reality that we walk in with God. It, it, can, it can set a bit of a framework for how we engage with Him, but then also how we engage the world around us. Because I found this, that the reason this is the way it is, is because often the way that we see God impacts the way we see ourselves. That the way that we see Him, the way that we view Him, then even deeper than that, not only impacts the way we see ourselves, but then impacts the way we engage the world around us. But if we can have these two things in alignment and agreement with the Word of God, understanding of how we see Him, the reality of God and how He wants to be manifest in our lives, then the reality we can walk in actually allows us to be able to establish heaven on earth wherever we go. And the title of my message this morning is Heaven Lives in Me. Heaven Lives in Me. John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Full of grace and full of truth. I love that. I suppose to set some lanes that I intend to run down today, we need to understand first and foremost, understanding in the Old Testament and in the Jewish culture, how they saw the temple of God. That for them, it was at the heart and central to their faith. The, the Israelites understood that the tabernacle and the temple was deeper than just a place where they would go for religious activity. It was deeper than a place where the high priest would enter on the day of atonement and give sacrifices and offerings to atone for the people's sin every single year. It was deeper than that for them. They understood it to be. And biblically, we understand it to be that the temple in the Old Testament was the very place where heaven meets earth, that the Holy of Holies, the inner courts was known and seen as the very reality where heaven met earth. We know that this gives us a confirmation and a sign that we see in the book of Genesis, this perfect union before the fall between heaven and earth where they're in perfect unity. Heaven was being established on earth. There was this covenant relationship and it was the grand redemptive plan of God that this would be the way. But we know through the fall and through the separation, there was a, a, a separation or a, or a tether between heaven and earth. But God in His sovereignty said, you know what, as a part of my redemptive plan, that the whole thing, the way this is going to end is that heaven's going to be established, my kingdom's going to be established, and that I'm going to rule and reign over my people at the end of days. And that's my grand redemptive plan. 
I need to sovereignly guarantee and have this insurance to know that as we go out through the humanity's history and humanity's timeline, there'll always be heaven on earth geographically. And we find this as the establishment of the temple. It, was, it wasn't just a, uh, a spiritual understanding, but it was seen as actually a ge- geographical location where heaven meets earth. And we know this and we understand it. And it lands us in this place as understanding that heaven meeting earth wasn't simply um, a, a or, or the way Jesus prayed in Matthew 6 about on earth as it is in heaven, wasn't simply just like a great church theme or a great scripture that we should pray through, but really it was the crescendo of God's plan and what He's trying to establish. And it leads us to point number one, and that's this, that heaven and earth are different in nature, but not separate in connection. They're different in nature, but not separate in connection. It doesn't take a a, a brilliant mind to be able to look around and when you think of the things of heaven and then you look at earth, seem like there's a disconnect there. That the way that people go around their business at world, the, the, the... manipulation, the darkness, the deceit, the, the, the sin, the, the, the activities that are going around in earth, seems like there's a major disconnect between heaven. But we can see God establishing here that that's not a connection problem, that's actually a nature thing, that the nature of heaven is different to the nature of earth. But God always wanted to make sure and establish that heaven would be established here through His temple in the Old Testament. So they see them entering into the holies of holies, which was seen as this, where they would go in and be a part of that presence and the high priest would enter in. This shows us one thing, is that God's desire of heaven on earth wasn't just a spiritual statement. It wasn't something that was like this overarching, up in the sky, distant idea. But it was actually something that God established in a location and geographically that He said that there's going to be heaven on earth whilst we're here in our days. This shows us that it affects the spiritual realm, is affected by the physical realm, that we know in our prayer life, in our devotion life, in the way we pray for people and the way we engage with Scriptures, the way that we lead our homes and lead our families sets a spiritual climate and a spiritual atmosphere over our home and clears the air for, the, for God's Kingdom to come and be established, that what we do here on earth affects the spiritual realm. But even deep in this, we need to understand that God's desire was simply not to dwell with us geographically. He wanted to dwell with us intimately. We see this as a transition point from the Old Testament into the New Testament. God starts to make moves as to how am I going to dwell among my people more than just in a building, but actually dwell within their hearts. We see this in Christ as He comes and dwells among us. And we can put the Scripture back on the screen. In John 1, 14, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory and the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We understand in the original language this word dwelt. It means and pronounced like skeno. And the meaning of it is properly to pitch or to live in a tent, dwell or dwell in place. The application to this is it's a sign of much more than a general notion of dwelling in the sense of a simply being present in a location, but rather reveals the dwelling that God desires to have in our lives It's one of intimate communion with the resurrected Christ, as even He who Himself lived in unbroken communion with the Father. 
this amazing event in history, the eternal, omnipotent, omnipresent, infinite Son of God, decide to come and put flesh and bones on, become the incarnate Christ and dwell among us. But it wasn't just a case of Him saying, I'm gonna come and walk among them, hold their hand, do a few cool things, and then go back up to heaven. This word dwelt among us. We are seeing the original language was deeper than just a location, but it was actually about a residing, which is Jesus actually rewriting the script, changing the plan, changing the rules and saying that, hey, the temple of God is no longer a building, but I as Christ, I am the temple. I am where heaven meets earth. So that means wherever I go, the reality of heaven can be made manifest. That's why we see it in Christ's life. We see healings take place. We see entire multitudes uh, finding breakthrough. We see entire cities finding the Gospel. We see see, um, uh, the dead being raised and families being restored. We see broken hearts get mended all through Christ because wherever He stepped, heaven met earth. That you can imagine the Pharisees at the time how radical this would have been. That Christ standing before them in their religious, politicised mindset. They saw that they had built some world for them that they they wanted to exist in about they had a level of status, they had a level of income, they had a level of reality where they'd raise themselves above the common man and they weren't willing to dwell among people. But Christ changed the script and said, you know what, the Prince of God is not gonna be reserved for a building any longer, but I'm gonna go and dwell it among the hearts of men and women. I'm gonna go to the lowly places, the broken places. I'm gonna go and sit and eat with sinners, people who the Pharisees have rejected, the religious type have rejected. I as Christ am gonna come and allow them to have heaven on earth just by encountering me. This is Christ. He's changing the game. He's saying, I am the temple. I am the temple. Why is this important? Well, point number two is this, is because we don't bring people to heaven. We bring heaven to people. We don't bring people to heaven. We bring heaven to people. You gotta understand that the commission of God is not for us to try and beg and pull and headlock people and try and get them into the pearly gates, but it's rather us to be able to establish the Kingdom of God here wherever we go, in our families, in our kids, in our businesses, in our schools, in our universities, and allow heaven's Kingdom to be established. We see this in Hebrews 1, 3 to 4. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of His nature. Sustaining all things by His powerful Word, after making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. So He became superior to the angels, just as the name He inherited is more excellent than theirs. God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, changed the plain field, radically rewrote the script of how God was gonna dwell and engage with His people. We see this in Colossians 1.15, that He is the image of the invisible God, that when you see Christ, when you see Him, you see the Father. When you know His reality, you know the will of God in your life. That He's the firstborn over all creation, the verse continues to say. This gives us the reality that God took His presence which was once exclusive and He made it inclusive. That He took His presence, which was once concealed and He made it revealed. That He took His presence, which once was reserved for the religious, politically self-righteous and placed it in the hands of the broken and hurting. This is why wherever Christ went, there were miracles, 
There were signs and wonders wherever Christ went because now He was rewriting it. It's why God said and Christ said right before um, His death and resurrection, He announced that, hey, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm in three days, I'm gonna tear down the temple and I'm gonna rebuild it. That was a radical thought. How is He gonna do that in three days? How is that gonna take place? It's because He was doing it in the hearts of men and women. If I could go a little bit deeper this morning, there's this understanding that not only was God interested initially in the Old Testament of ensuring in the midst of our sin and separation and heartache, that He would geographically make a place where heaven would dwell. But deeper than that, He said, you know what, now I'm gonna actually make heaven come and put flesh and bones on and now my temple is gonna dwell amongst my people, actually show them what the full expression of what humanity is meant to look like. When we're in oneness and union with God, the call of every believer is to walk in unity with God, to be one with Him, to be one with the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. That He gave this example of what that was meant to look like. But He changed it even deeper. He said, you know what? I'm not just gonna make it geographical. I'm not just gonna place it in my one and only Son, but now I'm actually gonna take the Holy Spirit and I'm gonna place it inside of every single person who believes on my name. I'm gonna call the believers and the church, the temple of God, that you are gonna become where heaven meets earth, that the very reality of you, if you have the Holy Spirit, wherever you step, that is where heaven meets earth. That when you step into your business, into your workplace, into your family, into whatever environment. It's not something we have to conjure up, beg, pull down. We need to realise that the very reality of heaven is alive on the inside of us. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20 says this, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God. You are not your own for you were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. Don't you know that your body is a temple? This word temple here, this understanding of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you is the exact same original language that was used to describe the temple in the Old Testament and used to describe Christ dwelling here on earth. That it is understanding that you are the reality of heaven meeting earth. No longer do you need to try and pull heaven down. You need to release heaven wherever you go. I love that N.T. Wright says it like this, that those in whom the Spirit comes to live are God's new temple. They're individually and catch this corporately together as His body, places where heaven meets earth. God has removed the idea of the temple being a geographic location and now realising the geographic location of heaven meeting earth is now you. When we pray on earth as it is in heaven, we're not thinking something external. We're thinking, God, I need more of heaven alive on the inside of me. I need more of the Holy Spirit. I need more of your righteousness. I need to walk in what you've given me access to so I can see heaven come in my generation. Why is this? It's because God wanted to guarantee that when you get diagnosed with that disease, when you walk through that relational breakdown, when you feel like it's just falling apart in the world around you, when you feel like you're going through trauma and trial, when you feel like you're in the midst of pain, when you feel like you're right there in the fire and you can't seem to see a way out, 
God wanted to know, you know what? Although that the enemy or the world might try and attack my body, I wanna put an assurance that they can't attack the soul. They can't actually attack me. And you know what? That gives this reality to understand that even though all of heaven might break loose around you, all of heaven is alive on the inside of you. And you can stand strong in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the trials, no matter what's going on around your world. God wanted to give this to you. God wanted you to understand that you're anointed, you're favoured. That when you put your hands on the sick, they will recover. When you believe and pray, mountains will move. When a demonic attack tries to rob your family, you're the king and priest of your home and you draw a generational line and rebuke and cast out the enemy and say, you can't touch my kids. That's what it means to realise you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. No foul deceit can come in here. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. There's a radical, radical change. Realise that bit by bit, glory to glory, God weaves His way down. First place in His presence in a room among the people. Then He puts it in His Son. His Son comes down, walks among us. And He plays that same Spirit alive on the inside of us. There's a story in Matthew where Jesus is fashioned a whip and he's turning the tables upside down in the temple. He's, he's quite, the Bible speaks out righteously anger, angry about what's going on, the abuse that's happening in the temple, the, the way they're using and abusing the space and what they're using it for. And, um, and he goes in there and starts turning tables, flipping things and going after. And you've got to understand, this wasn't uh, Christ going, you know what? Why is there CPW merch being sold in the foyer? I'm upset about that. That's not, what, that's not what Christ was doing. But rather what we see is if we understand that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, I wonder what tables He has to turn in your heart. I wonder if Jesus came into your heart. What bitterness, what pride, what resentment, what unforgiveness have you allowed to harbour and take residence in your heart? And Christ right now wants to come and flip those tables and clean His and clean your heart. It says in Matthew 21, 12 to 13, Jesus went into the temple and threw out all those buying and selling. I won't sell my heart to the enemy. I want the enemy thrown out. I don't want him a part of it. He overturned the tables of money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. Imagine if we still sold doves at church. That'd be pretty good. <laughs> he said to them, as it is written, in my house, my temple will be called a house of prayer. But you are making it a den of thieves. I don't know about you, but when I audit my heart, when I allow the Holy Spirit to review it, I want Him to look at me and say, there is a house of prayer. That's a house of prayer. I don't want to look at me and say, you den of thieves, you've been robbing me for far too long with those mindsets, those, those, those harbouring things you're allowing in your heart, those addictions, those things you've been looking at, those relational dysfunctions that you've been holding on to pridefully, those things in your world. I want to be able to look at my life and say, there is a house of prayer that I can trust to see heaven come to earth. There is a house of prayer that I can trust. This is why Jesus so violently protected the temple because it wasn't just a place of religious activity. He violently protected it because it was a place where heaven meets earth. And in the same way, He wants to violently protect your heart and say, you need to clean it out today, restore it today, purify it today, allow Him to come into your life. Turn those tables. 
and step into freedom. I don't wanna be known as a den of thieves where I get to the end of my life and I've just robbed him my entire life because of things I pridefully held on to. Why do you need to let go of today? 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 20 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to Himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He reconciled us and now given us that ministry. It is the role of every believer to walk that out. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them as He has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. Since God is making His appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf and I plead with you today, be reconciled to God. No longer make your heart a den of thieves. No longer make your heart a temple that you're using and abusing, but allow the Holy Spirit to come in, allow it to be a place and a residence where heaven meets earth and you can step in to the freedom that He has for you. Verse 21, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. If we could all close our eyes, that'd be amazing. If you're here today, maybe you've joined us for the very first time, or maybe you've been coming a little while and uh, you call City Point home. This is your family, this is your church. There's a few people here today. The first one is you've been sitting here and you feel like your heart's pounding. You know this, this is for you. You feel like, man, if I, if I ordered in my heart, if I did a review on my temple, it's messed up, it's broken, there's some pain there. Sometimes there's even pain there you didn't even put there and it's not even your fault. But you're allowing it to harbour and you're allowing it to fester. And that bitterness is starting to poison you and it's bounding you in wickedness. And that's where you're at. You're kind of like, man, I feel distant from God. You spoke about that there's no separation. I feel so separate from Him. That lie of separation wants to break off you today. That you're not separate from the Father. He's de desperately pursuing you. He's closer than you think. He's right here. Maybe the second person. You've never made this decision. Like, man, I feel like this is my first time even in church. This is my first time in these environments. The first time even hearing the name Jesus. But you're telling me that He wants to make heaven come and live on earth and alive on the inside of me that man, I want something to do with that. I may not understand everything. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all your ducks in a grow. Jesus just requires your yes. He says, if you say yes, I'll look after the rest. I'll do my perfect work on live on the inside of you by the Holy Spirit. It's gonna come and make residence in your heart and transform you from the inside out. And that's you, whether you're the first person, you know, hey, I've known God or I feel like I know Him, but there's just stuff in my world. I feel like I need to make a recommitment today to say yes to Jesus. Or maybe you're here for the very first time and you're like, hey, that's me. I need to say yes. I've never done this before, but I just wanna, I don't even understand it, but I just wanna say yes to Him. Or maybe you're even joining us online today and you're here and maybe you sit in your living room or your car or wherever you find yourself. And as you just feel this sense, something's pounding in your chest. That's the Holy Spirit. He's knocking on the door of your heart. God is a gentleman. He's knocking on the door of your heart and it's your job to open the door, fling the door wide open and allow the Holy Spirit to flood your mind and flood your heart right now, wherever you're seated. 
So if that's you on the count of three, you wanna make a decision to follow Jesus, whether it be the first time, whether it be as a recommitment, or you're not totally sure you're saved, but you want it. Friend, I'd love to pray with you. If that's you on the count of three, all I'd love you to do is be really brave. Shoot up your hand nice and high. Whether you're joining us here today or you're joining us online, if that's you on the count of three, I just want you to shoot up your hand. One, two, three. Yeah, incredible, amazing, amazing. Come on, is there anyone else? Shoot it really high. Shoot it really high, wave it really high. Amazing, amazing decision, incredible decision. Come on, is there anyone else? Wave it really high. Incredible decision, incredible. Amazing, amazing. If we could all stand, that'd be awesome. Father, we thank You for every decision here today and online. Father, we thank You, Lord God, whether they got their hand the whole way up or they know that this moment's for You. God, we thank You as Your Scripture says. God, as we confess our Lord, that You are our Lord, that You are Christ, that You are the Son of God. God, we thank You right now that You are making us a new creation, that the old is going and the new is coming. God, whatever's been in our temple, whatever's been in our heart, God, we thank You right now, You're coming in. God, and in a righteous way, You're flipping tables, You're renewing our minds, You're renewing our hearts. God, and come and bringing breakthrough to our worlds. And we thank You for that, Lord. God, we thank You, Jesus. God, the old is gone. And the new has come and because of You on that cross and because of the resurrection, Father, that took place. Father, we thank You, Lord. God, that we are righteous, we are holy and we are blameless. Come on, church, can we celebrate every decision here today? Incredible, amazing. Incredible. Hey, I saw a bunch of hands. Maybe you got your hand the whole way up, but not maybe the whole way up. Or maybe you're just joining us on to online today. Easiest way to get connected is if you're online, make sure you click that link, get connected, and we'll help you get locked into a life group and into our community. Or maybe you're here today and you're like, hey, I don't understand everything. Or maybe I do, I feel like I do know God, but for me, this was a recommitment to, to, to step back into what God has for me. Well, easiest thing to do is keep coming back to church, number one. Number two, go chat to our team, The Lounge. Uh, this decision is between you and God, but it's not meant to be done between you and God. It's meant to be done in community, get locked in a life group. We have the most amazing life group leaders in the history of the planet right now in the room who'd love to connect with you and come alongside with you and see you walk on that journey of faith. So if you wanna get locked into that, that'd be amazing. And thirdly, start growth track. Whether you've been walking God 20 years, or literally the last two minutes, what we'd love to do is start Growth Track. It's a couple of week course that allows you to build a foundation and set you up to live for God. Come on church, one more time. Can we celebrate every decision?